Are you ready to overcome the complexities and burdens that come with your success? Join the team at Centura Wealth Advisory in the Live Life Liberated podcast. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to Live Life Liberated with the team from Centura Wealth Advisory. Today in the hot seat is Kyle Malmstrom. Kyle, how are you? Doing great. Happy New Year, Eric. Happy New Year. Yeah, this is our first time getting together since that digit changed, and I'm I'm really looking forward to the new digits, right? That's right. Yeah. Get 2020 over with. That's right. Done. Just just done with it. Um, however, we do have to reference 2020. Uh, you've got Mark Morris back on the show, and, and Mark was a guest way back in probably mid-2020 when it wasn't so crazy. Uh, you brought him back. What's going on? Yeah. Well, first off, thanks for joining me, Mark. Thanks for inviting me. Mark is going to join us today because... He is the perfect person to have on because we're going to do a four or five part series. We haven't exactly identified how many we're going to do, but it's four or five part series specifically for business owners Mm -hmm. looking to exit. We're going to talk about the topic today, but something transpired late in the year last year that is relevant to that podcast we did in July of last year, episode 11, Wings, Nings, Dings, and Things, that this kind of part two of that. Mm -hmm. And so I brought Mark back to talk about that. Fantastic. And it was nice and easy for you to say that wings, dings, things, and ring. I don't know what it was, but <laughs> yeah. you did it better than I could. <clears throat> um, well, Mark, I'm so glad that you're back on the show. I am here just like the listening audience. I'm here to learn. So take it away. Super. Thrilled to be here. Thanks, Eric. Well, for why don't you give the audience a little background about yourself? Just remind everybody who you are and who you serve and the firm you work with. Senior tax counsel for Levitt's Axe. It's a local CPA firm. I provide lots of tax solutions and planning for our clients and others. We're a full-service CPA firm. I like to be in the tax world and come up with creative solutions. We also offer uh, assurance services, um, fraud uh, prevention planning, valuation services, and of course I'm on the tax side. So we are Definitely a, a team approach with other advisors, even though I'm an attorney and a CPA, work with other uh, legal counsel in the drafting and with uh, wealth advisors such as Centura and, and the whole team of folks to provide the, the best solution for clients. That is a very modest way to put his expertise, by the way. So today, this episode is going to be specific to business owners looking to liquidate a business probably in the next one to three years, but we got a call to action as so today we're going to be talking about exit strategies for business owners here in the state of california and this episode is specific to that because the topic of ings really resonates with california business owners because the highest tax rate is 13.3 percent and if they pass ab 1253 it could go all the way up to 16.8 but that's another conversation for another day super quick i want to I just want to remind everybody, we're not going to go through the mechanics of the ING strategy in this podcast. That's going back to podcast 11. So if you want to get into all the uh, the mechanics of that strategy, that's where you're going to do that. But we're going to build on that. I do want to cover a couple of quick pieces because it is salient to the conversation. So Mark, why don't you explain what an ING is so we can get some context for the audience? Sure. So an ING stands for an incomplete non-grantor trust. And it's really, you're, you're talking about exit strategies, Kyle, and this is a tax strategy to minimize state income taxes. It's been used for a number of different years. The particular strategy has to be structured correctly to 
overcome at least three different hurdles. I think in the, the prior podcast, we kind of went over what some of those hurdles are. I could review those real quickly if you want me to. Yeah, please do. Okay. It's really the, the first hurdle is the correct source of income, having non-California source. And so what we're talking about there is we're usually talking about a sale from, of an intangible asset, such as a sale of stock. If you have a asset sale as opposed to a stock sale, then you are talking about the goodwill, which is also an intangible asset. So just a quick refresher, you can achieve significant state tax savings even on an asset sale if some of that goodwill is sourced outside of the California jurisdiction as well. But prime, but stock sales are, are the sweet spot for these ink type of transactions. So the second one is, besides correct sourcing, is the correct fiduciaries or the correct trustees. And that's usually just a matter of proper drafting and making sure that the situs of the trust is located in a low tax jurisdiction. And that's where all those names came in through for wings for Wyoming and dings for Delaware and et cetera, nings and other things. So that's the second uh, part of that. We, we called that the cast of characters, I believe. We that. do call that the cast of characters. So, you know, you have to, besides the trustee, you have to be careful of where the business advisor, business trustee is located, but you can have the grantor still be located here in, in California and some other types of people involved in the distribution decisions, the power of appointment committee, et cetera. And there's some refinements there that, again, we won't go into all those details on the cast of characters, but it's important in the structuring to get that right. So that's the correct fiduciary. And then finally, the third hurdle is to have the correct type of beneficiary. And by that, I mean the beneficiary should be a contingent beneficiary, meaning they're not vested in their beneficial interest. If they're a non-contingent beneficiary, then California has a, an angle to tax them. But there may be angles around that beneficiary apportionment, but that's the third basic hurdle. And so we cover that because, as you can tell, it's complex. That is a way that the California Franchise Tax Board can come after the transaction. Is that is that accurate? Sure, that's the way historically they've they've approached it. But as you're as we're talking here today, there's a recent proposal from the Franchise Tax Board to change the law so that they can more easily take on these ing transfers. So the. Let's cover the call to action today, Mark, because okay. it's 2021, and we're going to get into the details of this, but what's the call to action? Why are we talking about this today? It, because of the effective date of the so-called Proposal C, it was a legislative proposal by the Franchise Tax Board. Its effective date is to bring up this matter to the California legislature later this year, probably in June, and assuming the legislature passes it, then the effective date will be January 1st, 2022. Um, they will change the whole structure so that in, instead of looking at the trustees and the beneficiaries, they will tr treat the ING trust as if the grantor who created it, as if it's a grantor trust. Now, I know that's a term of art, but a grantor trust in terminology means that the grantor is going to be taxed on all the income of the trust. So that effectively eviscerates a lot of the benefit of the ING trust strategy. So the ING trust strategy is to sell a business within the ING so you avoid the California income tax. 
And the legislative proposal C that you're talking about, you know, this was a hot topic. Mark actually sent this over in November and he's like, hey, check this out. And he was pretty excited about it. And the reason he was excited about it is that it confirmed the strategy. Is that? That's right. It's it's almost an admission against interest for the Franchise Tax Board. It confirms that they really didn't have a good angle to attack these in structures. If they were properly structured, again, the three hurdles, if they were properly structured, they really couldn't challenge it. And they see a lot of uh, revenue for people exiting, uh, having liquidity events, and, and not saving a lot of California tax. Their, their, their proposal is to adopt something that's similar to what New York adopted in 2014. And what they did is they simply approached it from the grantor side of things and, and basically said that if the grantor of an ING trust uh, will be treated for state tax purposes as if it were a grantor trust. And that's the approach that the FTB is suggesting that the legislature adopt in California. Basically taking away all the, the fun and, and benefits of it. Well, that's how they're <clears throat> attempting to, to attack it. Do you think it'll pass? I think there's a high likelihood it will, we, given the revenue situations we currently have. Yeah. I, I suspect so. Uh, but again, the call to action is this year, in 2021, we have the opportunity to structure a liquidity event, do the ING strategy, and do it correctly, and achieve those tax savings. So that would be one category of taxpayers to really consider doing it this year. So we're encouraging people that want to look at the strategy, you should start looking at it. Because if they change that law, you're not going to have the opportunity to do it next year. It's going to mitigate that whole strategy. Yeah, the timing is very, very important, both in the preparation for an exit strategy, as, as this is a very important topic, the preparation for it. Even with the Inc. strategy, and the New York system, there may be a couple opportunities to navigate even around that, even if they do come through with the legislation. Attorneys and navigating around. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you guys are good at that. So on the timing side of it, I'm a business owner and I'm thinking, okay, hey, I'm going to sell my business 20, 30 million bucks. But I haven't really decided. I guess this call to action is, hey, you might want to decide because there's 13.3% on pretty much all of that. So it's a big, big number. But what if I don't have somebody lined up? What if, I, what if I'm, I've been mulling it over and I don't have a buyer yet? What, what are the, anything I can do there? Sure, so there could be a couple different strategies to address in that particular situation. I'd go ahead and set up the ink strategy with the idea that the liquidity event could happen after the legislation takes place. And to capture the appreciation and the gain right now, you could purposely structure a, an installment sale to the grantor, since the non-grantor trust is a separate taxpayer, or to some other friendly, unrelated, or even related party, so that you could capture that gain, exclude it, and then you have a increased basis for when the eventual sale uh, to a third party occurs down the road. So that's 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 one strategy. So let me make sure that seemed pretty technical there. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you have, I put it in my ing trust at twenty million. Mm-hmm. And you're saying if by the time I sell it, it's twenty five. Mm-hmm. That's an advantage to me. 
Sure. If you're coming up on the year end and they pass the legislation and you know it's going to, the law is going to change in 2022, you could structure a sale where you buy back the stock from your trust, and uh, for the 20 million, you have a you have a basis of 20 million. So only the incremental amount, the 20 uh, the extra five million, would be recognized down the road, and you pay the taxes on that. So. But the 20 million appreciation uh, within the trust, you'd still get the benefits of state tax minimization, something like that. But you have to you have to take into consideration a host of other types of things on that strategy. A second strategy we might consider in that in this particular situation is to make to not make it an ing trust because the proposal C only applies to ing trusts, and as I mentioned, I stands for incomplete gift. So if you were to make it a completed gift, you're not subject to the, the change in the legislation. In other words, to make it a non-grantor trust and use your gift tax exclusion by segregating assets within the trust, that would be a second way to possibly approach, as I mentioned before, navigate around some of the rules that would be coming up. Can you do that after the fact? What do you mean by after? You set it up as a as an ing trust now and then they change the law and you decide you want to complete the gift well sure you can complete the gift any kind of transfer from the trust to beneficiaries besides the grantor and the grantor spouse completes the gift another way to complete the gift is for your distribution or power of appointment committee to segregate assets within the trust and say the as to these this portion of the assets this is separate and apart from the rest of the trust it is locked in for these beneficiaries and that's a completed gift, and and to remove. If you guys haven't got the the, the incomplete part, <clears throat> okay. If you haven't got the idea, Mark's an expert in this category, and <laughs> we got to keep this high level, Mark. Okay. <clears throat> I know you like getting into the details there, so there's still some opportunity for business owners, even if they change. Is the short version. That's that's right, but the call to action is is if you're. If you can have a liquidity event, that would be the best uh, opportunity to take advantage of it this year without uh, any legislative change. Mm -hmm. So if I don't have a buyer, what about a related buyer? Can I structure it? Yes, yes, you can. What does that mean? What's a related buyer? Well, it would be a person that is related to the trust beneficiaries and particularly the grantor. So again, the, the grantor could purchase the assets out of his own trust, the grantor trust, and make it a purchase as opposed to a distribution. And that way you could capture some of the gain. Pretty heady stuff, Mark. Well, this is, uh, this is what we like to, to, to do is to consider all the alternatives and to plan <laughs> for them. You know, this is, this is not a try at, at home type of a type of provision. You really want to make sure you got all those things done right. As I mentioned before, the your the, the hurdles and all the other type of considerations in, involved. How many ink trusts do you think you're going to do this year? Uh, several. I know I have several in the pipeline already. Some li big liquidity events are coming up, and we're looking forward to that. And how much money is everybody going to save with this strategy? Well, you know, it, it varies. It it varies anywhere from twenty, thirty million to ninety million, eighty million. You know, there are at least. Uh, uh, half a dozen that I know of right now in the pipeline. Well, I bet this podcast, if you can get it to the right people, might increase that number. Well, we're, that's the goal. Yes, yeah, 
we would enjoy the opportunity. So the, how long does it take to set up this ink trust? Well, we like to have as much lead time as possible. That being said, and, and given the time horizons that we have this year, um, you know, a, a minimum of, of a two or three weeks to get the proper drafting. And once the green light and is on and, and the client decides they want to go for it, you know. So it doesn't sound very difficult. No, well, we, we use the, uh, we engage other legal counsel in other jurisdictions to make sure that it's all done correctly. So that's the setup. What about the legal, what about the consulting process and the decision-making process for somebody to, you know, talk to us and say, hey, this is what I want to do. What's realistic there? It, two or three meetings uh, to make sure that they're on board, that they understand all the advantages. And, and um, you know, one of the disadvantages I always used to talk about was the prospect of a legislative proposal coming down the, ro the road. And lo and behold, we have one, which I envision is really just a confirmation, as you mentioned, it's just an assurance that the technique really does work. You know, yeah, they wouldn't put a proposal if they weren't afraid of it, right? That's right. They're saying, hey, we got, we got, they see the errors of their ways and they're trying to correct it and <laughs> well, be more like New York so they can capture that. that Because it really isn't, it, I think the Franchise Tax Board says, hey, look, you built that business in the state of California. We're entitled to the, to the tax on the, on the gain of that business. Right, but there are only so many constitutional ways in which they can attack it. That's why they've, uh, they're going to change their approach. So they're going to they're going to put boots and suspenders on this and make sure they do capture it. That's that's the that's the proposal. Prior to the proposal, the strategy works. Mm -hmm. We can set it up this year. Mm -hmm. Does the sale of the business have to happen this year, or you just have to have the business into the into the interest? Well, preferably that the sale of the business would occur this year, the liquidity event, the sale of the stock. Uh, hopefully it's the stock. As I mentioned before, asset sales are a little bit more complicated, but you can achieve some, some benefits that way. Yes, uh, I, would, I would do it or to have a, as I mentioned before, a related party sale if, you, if need be to um, capture that gain is, is one of the alternatives. So if, so if you don't have a third party buyer, you structure it with a related party, but you want it to happen this year. Correct. Again, we'll see how the legislation comes out, see if they tweak it any any further than they what they already have, but that would be the optimal. Should, should business owners wait until June to see what's going to happen? If there is a if you're ready to take your company to to market, I wouldn't be delaying at all in setting up the structure even if you think the liquidity event may not occur until next year or the year after that you could get this in place and, and structure and then we could we should have a discussion with your other advisors to see what the most optimal course would be in that particular case but i, I would go ahead and set up the structure now i should mention that it, you know there could be significant income tax savings even without a liquidity event the ongoing operations that flow through if, if they're non-california source income you know operations and outside of california you can achieve some significant tax savings even with that on a ongoing basis at least for this year so that may be significant enough to offset the the cost of the setup and and going forward this is all state income tax related prior to coming on you kind of wet the whistle that there might be some federal savings as well through this strategy what what, what are you talking about there how do we save federally on a kind of a state income tax saving strategy so another favorite exit strategy that 
achieves federal income tax savings that we like to structure, and sometimes we can marry that with this interest structure, is one involving qualified small business stock, sometimes referred to as Section 1202 stock. So if the business is operating through a C-corporation... Is that key that it has to be a C-corp? Yes. It, it, this federal exclusion provision for 100%, I should say 100% exclusion of capital gain, doesn't get any better than that, only applies to C-corporations that have a five-year holding period for that particular stock. As, and the exclusion is the greater of $10 million or 10 times your investment. So if you invested $2 million, you know, that's a $22 million potential exclusion. So, um, and there are ways to stack that uh, maximum as well. But I, I digress a little bit on, on uh, stacking involving these ink trusts, but that is com- completely possible to get multiples of the exclusion in the right situation. But it does involve a C corporation and a history of uh, five years before your liquidity event. So you either are or you're not uh, a C corporation. What qualifies for small business? Well, there's... Uh, they, what's the what's the wrapper around that? So there's a threshold requirement. And, and I should say you, you can't be in certain types of trades or businesses. But most, very many trades or businesses will qualify. There's a $50 million threshold of uh, gross, um, gross basis. It, it, it's not gross value. It's gross basis of the corporation's assets. Uh, for example, you may have billions of dollars of intangibles, but you have a zero basis in the intangibles. And if the total assets plus cash within the corporation are less than $50 million, you are a qualified small business st- entity and would be eligible for this entity this is really big in in tech area. yeah mm-hmm. this is home run stuff right here right well, as you can see it's pretty complicated stuff with massive tax savings mark let's take a step back here let's just a high level review kind of the benefits and and who this really is set up for like i mean I, obviously business owners getting ready to sell who are the other people that this can affect as an exit strategy, it is it should be considered um, by anybody considering a liquidity event, particularly this year. That's first and foremost. For other situations, you might uh, get savings from ongoing business operations that are multi-state and some of the income is sourced outside of California. So particularly for past serenity, such as an S-corporation, you, you could achieve some savings uh, through the strategy there. And, and thirdly, Another strategy is for those with portfolio of assets that are looking to sell some of their marketable securities in the near future. You could put those into a pass-through entity that is owned by the Ing Trust and have that type of income because it's income from an intangible source, intangible asset, that would escape estate tax, excuse me, that would escape income tax taxation in California. And that could be very, very significant. So when you think liquidity events, a lot of times you're thinking closely held corporation, but you might have some very valuable appreciated stock that you want to sell. And that would be a, an excellent uh, strategy to consider for this as well. And stocks are at all-time highs right now. There's well, most, a lot of them. Yeah, appreciation. Maybe Elon Musk should consider it. I just heard that he was the richest man in the world. 
Well, that's the other strategy. He uh, is exiting California and establishing <laughs> residency somewhere else. So this, with is, it, this is an alternative to that. You don't have to exit California. Right. Otherwise, uh, and, and I get clients that ask me that. They're like, hey, should I move to, to Nevada? Mm-hmm. Right? And I'm like, well, do you want to pick up and move to Nevada? And they're like, no, not really. I'm like, okay, well, you can do this strategy, right? Mark, this is super awesome stuff. It's it's very detailed, obviously, and with a lot of nuance, and you are the expert here. How do we how do we maintain flexibility? Because it sounds pretty complicated. Can we maintain flexibility with this? Well, one way to maintain flexibility would be to be aware of what your exclusion amount is for gift purposes, and perhaps if pro, uh, if the proposal C does go through, which it has a high likelihood of doing, then you could make completed gifts. And and that's one way to maintain flexibility within your trust so that you could continue to benefit from this strategy, even if the proposal goes through, because you are no longer an ing trust. You are a non-grantor trust without the I. Yeah. Pretty technical here. Mark, thanks for joining me. Oh, this is awesome stuff. I Love being around you, and I learned so much, and hopefully our listening audience took some good takeaways away today that they can act upon and save themselves some real taxes. The We'll have to wait and see what happens in June, but I'm, I'm with you. I suspect that they're going to pass this thing and, and clean this up because it is a source of income for California, and they need it. How can they reach out to you if they need to so that they can get some advice? Well, thanks again for having me, and it's my pleasure. So to reach us, I think probably the easiest is to, through our website, as lz-cpa.com. My, again, my name is Mark Morris, and just shoot us an email, and we would be love to respond that way or with our other contact information, 619-238-1077. Uh, that's our uh, phone number and uh, be happy to help. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate uh, you joining us today and educating our listening audience. It's been a pleasure. All right. I got to be honest, guys, this was, it's complicated. (laughs) I mean, from, from my standpoint, I mean, there's so many positive things that you said. There's so many little takeaways that I think anybody who owns a business and and maybe your ears perked up if you're listening to this and your ears perked up and wait, maybe this is something that I could do. Um, please, please call because honestly, it was like you took a part of jet engine piece by piece and there's all these parts around here. <laughs> I don't know what they all do, but I know that you can put it together and make this thing work. So um, again, Kyle, thank you so much for bringing Mark on. I know that you've already given contact information, but Mark, I'm going to ask you one more time because I'm sure somebody was trying to write that down and just couldn't. How do they get a hold of you? One more time, please. So you can reach us at our uh, firm website, LZ, stands for Levitt Sachs, LZ-CPA.com, and phone number 619-238-1077. If you want my extension, it's 7012, and be happy to reach out to you. Fantastic. Thanks again, Mark, for being on the show. And, and Kyle, I swear you bring on the smartest people just to mess with me and challenge me, <laughs> make, make me use <laughs> parts of my brain I don't even know existed anymore. So uh, thank you for bringing him on. Oh, my pleasure. I, I, Mark and I were already talking about the next one. So you'll, right. you'll get to hear us again here in a couple of weeks or a couple of months. 
Yeah, we look forward to it. And of course, the last thank you goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Live Life Liberated podcast with the team from Centura Wealth Advisory. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when they come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share this podcast with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Centura Wealth Advisory, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Live Life Liberated podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Centura Wealth Advisory. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Centura Wealth Advisory, Centura, is an SEC-registered investment advisor with its principal place of business in San Diego, California. Centura and its representatives are in compliance with the current registration and notice filing requirements imposed on SEC-registered investment advisors, in which Centura maintains clients. Centura may only transact business in those states in which it is notice filed or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from notice filing requirements. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Tax relief varies based on client circumstances and all clients do not achieve the same results. 